Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up and done. Two soldiers, five. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school page. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Off brakes now. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. And before we kick off our show this week, I want to give you two things to remember. Number one is world recordjet.com worldrecordjet.com and it's real simple go to the website the first thing you'll see when you get to my website is you're going to see a little button that says join us that's how you stay in contact with world record jet find out what we're doing get involved if you want to the second thing you're going to look for all the way at the bottom there is a way that you can support what we do through our gofundme page we are putting three jets out there we're going after world records we're taking a jet that's more than 50 years old a pilot that's way more than 50 years old and going after records that have stood for almost 50 years and we're doing it with the generation z with the young people they you they, however you want to say it, are taking charge and they are going to do some cool stuff. Everybody's been locked in their houses. Everybody's been socially distant. This is a way to get involved in something really, really cool. I can't fly air shows, but I can still fly my jet. They can't stop me yet. World recordjet.com and for those of you that want to keep in touch with the renegade aviator go to renegadeav8r.com renegadeaviator.com this week i've got a guest i've got a young person that's out there making their way in the air show world and somebody that very early on has got some really cool has got a really cool resume is doing cool stuff and her name is jody ruger jody welcome to the renegade aviator radio show Thank you. It's great to be here. Right on. Well, Jody, uh, give us a little bit about your background. How did you get started and what brought you into the carnival that we call air shows? <laughs> that is a good way to describe it. Um, I got started by um, the Air Cadet program in Canada. My family didn't have a whole lot of money to support me when I decided I want to be a pilot. They thought I was insane. So I found ways to get scholarships and make it happen for myself. So I got my private pilot through them and went on to Sioux College where I could get a government loan and have my flight training subsidized, but it was highly competitive. So again, just really working my way through the scholarship aspect of it to get where I wanted to be. And from there, I became a flight instructor. I wanted to fly aerobatics. I decided this one day when I did my first spin in the Zlin. And I didn't understand the difference in the recovery technique between a 152 and a Zlin, so I wasn't quite aggressive enough. <laughs> and the nose ended up <laughs> yeah, quite, quite a bit poor nose low for not having pushed hard enough to break the stall. 
So when I pulled out, we had quite a bit of airspeed being so nose low and I pulled five G's and I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> so I decided I need to do something with that, something where I can do aerobatics. So I moved to the West Coast and I started teaching aerobatics at a flight school in Vancouver area. And from there, I met up with the Aerobatic Club of BC and got trained to be a competitive aerobatic pilot. And uh, the long story short, my my airplane that I was going to be renting more or less got stolen, got stolen. right before my contest. It got stolen? <laughs> a wild world out there. Yeah. Another one of the instructors, knowing that I had it booked for six months out, wanted to use it and flew it off into the mountains and didn't bring it back when I was operating the satellite base. Oh, <laughs> so uh, there, there's egos out there. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to aviation, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That, that was my, my first real introduction to some of what happens. So um, the aerobatic community was amazing, though. The Pacific Northwest IAC community arranged for me to have another aircraft. And because um, at that time, I didn't have my U.S. pilot license. They arranged a safety pilot for me as well. And his name was Will Allen, and he was an airshow performer. So he just had to sit in the back and, and make everything legal. And I ended up winning despite my extra ballast. <laughs> and he was so impressed with my flying and what I did with the community that he offered me a position crewing for his air show and training to be his ferry pilot and really getting to know the ropes of the industry. Because at that time, I wanted to qualify to compete in the Red Bull air races. So I needed to have a surface level air show waiver and top 50% in competitive aerobatics for the world unlimited. Uh, he really helped me get the feel for the industry and, and figure out all the, the safety culture and everything that I needed to know in the marketing and, and how to promote yourself and get invited to participate at shows, which was a really good platform to get started. And then when I started into the airlines, I moved out to northern Canada and Ken Fowler was out there and he mentored me into getting into some lower level aerobatics and flying the airplane that I flew last season when I had a mechanical failure on my pits. So that was another longer story. But essentially, he, he almost tricked me into flying the RV rather than the pits because I was a little bit deluded on my time frame as to when my airplane was going to be ready and he could see it coming so he said well why don't we just do your air show waiver on this and then we'll we'll add your pits once it's ready and it's actually just now being sprayed for the new wings that are going on it uh, but it had 40 year old fabric and we were starting to have fabric failure so we're starting the process of recovering and eventually just completely rebuilding the pits s1 Great airplane, by the way. I used to own an S1. I love that airplane. So yeah, one of the best airplanes I ever owned, and one of the cheapest ones I ever owned to operate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole selling feature. <laughs> exactly. Jody, I'm I'm looking at your goals here and you pick some really cool ones. So I always tell people this, and you're living proof of that. So you set your goals high, right? Red Bull Air Race is coming brand new into aviation. That's awesome. So what kind of pushback did you get? What kind of feedback? did you get i just love it right i mean you might as well shoot high and the red bull air races are cool to go watch and fly and all that although they're not around anymore what was the mindset what was the process there you had well initially i was actually too shy to even tell people what it was that i wanted to do because like you're saying it is a really lofty goal <laughs> there's no doubt about that great though perfect <laughs> Yeah. I was just, you know, finished private pilot training, getting into my commercial and I saw it on TV and I was like, okay, man, that looks 
awesome. So I was trying to find ways to do it kind of low key. And I knew there was no other women doing it as well. So it, it would be kind of like a first of sorts. And, and there weren't that many left to do. So I, I thought that'd be pretty cool. And I really liked everything about the aerobatics and the air races. At that point, I hadn't really done a whole lot of aerobatics even, and I wasn't a commercial pilot yet. So just telling people what I wanted to do was, I started with a small group of people that I really trusted. And then eventually when I moved out to the West Coast and found the aerobatic club, as soon as I said what my goals were, they were actually like jumping to help me at it, which was really incredible. There was some pushback in that the first school that I worked for, my supervising instructor was also a tailwheel and aerobatic pilot, and she did a lot of my initial training on that. But one of the things I've noticed with being a minority in the industry is sometimes people get a sense of entitlement or their sort of sense of importance comes from being special for being a minority. And that's a lot of what I ran into was the group of women in aviation that I was surrounded with treated me as competition, not as part of a community that they wanted to support. So actually a lot of what I ended up doing to help myself went outside of my work and, and just inside the aerobatic club when I found a group of like-minded people who were really interested in helping me and and very supportive. You hit on a key point there, like-minded people. And so there's always going to be people, right, that push us back. And sometimes our closest people, people that we thought were our friends and family may push back. And it, it doesn't matter who we are, but it's interesting what you said. Find the people that are just going to support you. And they're out there, right? I mean, you you found Will Will Allen was on our show, the, you know, the guy who sings while he flies a pit special. Cool as heck, right? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And then here you come, you know, brand new pilot. And that's what we're trying to get out to all the young people coming into aviation is shoot high. This is so awesome because we need people in aviation. We need people flying aerobatics, flying fun airplanes, and we need people coming out to air shows and watching you fly so that they resonate in their own brain. Look, I can do this. I don't need to be a grizzled old guy <laughs> to go fly air shows, right? I can do this. Uh, am I off base with that? No, you're absolutely correct. Actually, one of the funny things when you're talking about Will flying from the plane, part of my job as his crew was to actually tape his microphone to his cheek <laughs> because <laughs> when he would pull G's, it would actually slide away otherwise. <laughs> so that was part of my job. But yeah, in the industry, there there's a lot of really great people out there. And there's been a handful of times where, you know, a couple of people who are not, like you're saying, kind of like-minded people can really ruin the experience for you. And in my experience, it is not better to stick around for an opportunity if you're in an environment like that. The best thing you can do is get out of there and, and find the people who are on the same wavelength as you. And you'll find yourself with a whole lot more support and a whole lot more opportunities as a result of. That's excellent. I mean, that's excellent advice. And you said something early on that I wrote down. I think it resonates very well with everybody. Make it happen for myself. Because in the end... You know, as a captain, you're a captain of your aircraft. You need to make it happen for yourself. Well, even to get to be that captain of your aircraft, it's up to you, right? You're responsible. And so you took, you simply made a decision and then the hard work started, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and a lot of the times when you do make that decision, this sort of comes with experiences, not only having plan A, but 
A, B, C, and D. I usually don't get uncomfortable in an airplane till I get past decision D and I start to really run out of options and something will have gone pretty wrong by the time I've been silly enough to box myself into that kind of corner. So you're you're always going to be the person in charge of your own ship and make sure that you have contingency plans along the way. When you started flying aerobatics, started going out there and practicing, help people understand maybe what that timeline looks like from the time you say, look, I want to take my first aerobatic lesson and learn the basics to going into a competition and then the extra work, as you know, to become an airshow pilot because you're you're being critiqued by the entire industry. I mean, that's that's all of us know, right? It only takes uh, somebody in the industry to go, look, it's a high standard. So you've achieved that bar. Maybe give people kind of what that process looks like. Well, for myself, I didn't come with a whole lot of funding. Like I said, I came from kind of a, a blue collar family with you know a lot of kids. So I was on my own to, to make everything happen. I started saving up money just so I could go to school when I was in high school. And after that, you know, I burned it out pretty quickly, just making it through my college program. And I was still working on the side, even with a student loan there. So I did a little bit of aerobatics while I was a student uh, working on my instructor rating, actually. The plane I did my instructor rating on was a Cessna 150 aerobat. So every once in a while, as like a bonus, I would get to do a snap roll or a loop or a roll. So maybe three different maneuvers over the course of 15 hours of flying. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to keep me really interested. And then when I went to the West Coast, I decided to be an aerobatic instructor and also to be a competitive aerobatic pilot at the same time. So I found just a really amazing instructor. He was already winning in Unlimited, and he was an airshow pilot himself. And it was the son of my tailwheel instructor. So really, really talented family all around. And, and I knew what the standards were going into it, which was great. So I did all my aerobatic instructor training and competitive aerobatic training in one summer. But I saved basically every penny that I had. I I put half of my paycheck every month towards my flying account. And then I worked a bartending job on the side just to be able to survive because the living expenses in Vancouver are pretty astronomical. Uh, so that was my first competition. And after that, I, I competed for about four seasons before getting really involved in the airshow flying. And a lot of people did sort of look at that as even being too soon. It kind of depends on who you're talking to in the industry and what their level of experience is as to how experienced they think you need to be. So if the person you're talking to is winning intermediate and they're an airshow pilot, then you need to at least win intermediate before they want you in the airshow circuit. But then when they start winning advanced, well, then you have to at least win advanced. <laughs> if you're talking to somebody that won the Worlds, you're not ready until you win the Worlds, is what I started to run into. And, and so competitive aerobatics was a point of contention in the airshow community. It really depended on who you were speaking to as to how much value they saw in that and if they had a competitive background. And absolutely everything I did in the competition side of things really helped. A lot of people would like to have seen that I had some more uh, experience going into that even still. But I had some extremely good mentorship to work my way down. And I'm a very cautious pilot. I won't do anything I'm not trained for. So I actually found Ken Fowler and said, you know, I've never done aerobatics below 1500 feet. And I'm not about to try it on my own tomorrow. So I found he's the only person that was legal to do dual training 
below 1500 feet in Canada. And he had a special waiver from Transport Canada. So part of his syllabus and everything was just working me down to a lower altitude and keeping me really comfortable the whole way down. And I'm really, really grateful for the opportunities that I got through the networking that I did along the way. But I knew for years going into this that uh, that was something I wanted to do. So I made sure to meet the right people and take the right notes and and really concentrate on this is a, a part of aerobatics where we have little margin. So you have to make sure that you do everything correctly and safely the first time. You know, it's interesting what you said, a couple of things. And the first one is cautious, right? We talk to airshow pilots each and every week, and it's a common thread. I was talking to uh, Skip Stewart, you know, and Skip flies really low. But Skip said, look, I practice so many times, so often. I do this so much. This is just a normal day, right? He's not, he doesn't fly an air show thinking he's taking a death-defying risk. And, and you use the proper word, right? You're demonstrating excellence when you fly and showing people that when you practice and you do things, it may look amazing to the fans. They look up and go, wow. But your demonstration of excellence gives them the reassurance that they can also be excellent. So whatever that they choose to do, right? I mean, we're, we're amazed by people in all walks of life and all types of hobbies and things. We just happen to be afflicted with the aviation bug. But, um, you know, my daughter dances ballet. That's her passion, right? But when people come out to an air show and see a performer like yourself, it's just that confirmation. You can go out and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And to that note, I mean, we're not doing anything out there that we feel on edge or anxious about. We're doing something that we've practiced a ton and we've got plan A, B, and C all lined up for making sure we have our gates, making sure it goes well. One of the things that surprised me the most, because last season was my first season on the air show circuit, was when I would be doing my arresty dance, I'm walking around beside my plane with my hands out like they're wings, <laughs> and just walking through my routine and, and getting the practice in on the ground. So when you're up in the air, you don't have a single question in your mind about what comes next. And it's part of just making sure you get into the plane in the in the right headset. So you have your half an hour to yourself. And people from the fire crew came up to me and said, oh, wow, you're, you're practicing this on the ground. You're not just making it up when you get in there. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, this is extremely well thought out. And I think a lot of people don't understand how much practice goes into what we do. So they think that we're really extreme or really crazy. But to us, it's a, a very practiced technique and a very predictable outcome with with a lot of contingency built in absolutely right and you know you're smarter than i was so back in the old days this is the old days before we had sack cards and ace and all that i was invited to come to an air show my sleek little s1s pits and you had mentioned it you know not doing aerobatics down below 1500 feet well i rolled inverted at 50 feet down the runway a damn near panic and all i could think of is push the nose away from the ground i rolled out and i left their show and landed somewhere else <laughs> so and at that point i realized you know what 
this was really stupid. So luckily you, you're much smarter than I was. I learned the hard way to say, you know what? Um, yeah. Ego gets in the way when you're trying to be excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, nothing bad happened, but it was the embarrassment of early, you know, getting involved in something. There's a lot of critique. There's a lot of things we go through and it's, it's kind of what we, we talk about to this next generation coming into aviation. You mentioned it as well, right? If it depends on who you talk to, you know what? So I know everybody near show community I've talked to has been very, very welcoming and they've been kind of hard too, right? Because it's for our own good, but the people that don't do what they plan to do tend to be an expert and will tend to put down people that are new, you know, and I'm not saying that as a negative, it's just the way it is. And, and I always smile and say, maybe it's their own decision to not move forward with the cool goals. Like man, being a Red Bull air racer, when you're a brand new pilot, we need more of that, not less. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your generation actually helped pave the way for a lot of these safety <laughs> protocols that we have in place now by, by listening to your story. And a lot of people that started out a lot earlier, they would tell me, oh, yeah, the FAA just signed off your card. And if they were surprised to see you next year, some of the time. So uh, definitely the process has gotten a lot harder and as it should have. And we've we've come a long way as an industry to to make this a whole lot safer. And it's a lot of the contributions of people like you just being open and honest and having that discussion about how did that go and how can we make this better? It's where we go in aviation, right? You, you're an airline pilot as well. So you understand safety and also debriefing, being honest with each other. So whenever a group gets together and does anything, we, we want to see what worked, what didn't work, how can we improve? And that's excellent. So that's, I go back again, you know, we're not perfect human beings. We're not perfect individuals, but excellence is that journey. And that's why this show interviews air show pilots, because number one, we're performers, right? We, we enjoy bringing our passion, our love to people, but it's also that constant quest to be better. Yeah, absolutely. So what else are you doing? Obviously, as anybody listening to the show right now understands, there's not been a whole lot of air shows this year. So what have you been doing? What's some new things on the horizon? Yeah, I'm trying to make sure that I take this time off to to come out better on the other side instead of kind of wallowing. I've I've gone through a lot of really big life changes since the whole coronavirus pandemic started. So I was looking at a captain upgrade by the end of this year on the 737 and that went out the window <laughs> the the day all the lockdowns and everything started up. So for myself, I had gotten married about a month prior to the lockdown starting up and my husband is American. So I was here visiting and we were starting to prep the wings for paint and silver when they announced that the border was closing and that the um, the airline was that I was working for was going to be laying off 80% of the pilots. So this is a 25 plus year old company that I had three years in. So I was definitely on the chopping block. And our immigration lawyer was about to process our paperwork. And she said, well, what's more important to you being physically together or being able to work in Canada? And I was like, well, Fun fact, I am about to get laid off. <laughs> so yeah, we had a, a big decision to make. I My chances of recall in any sort of reasonable time frame weren't good. And the airline I was working for was actually talking about being a headline sponsor for my act. So that was also gone basically overnight. 
So I took the early leave package or the severance package basically to have enough money to get by until my immigration went through and decided to just move to the U.S. I eventually wanted to end up here with my husband anyway. So I just started working on converting all my licenses and uh, getting to the point where I'm as qualified in the U.S. as what I was in Canada. So started all the conversion, did my ATP course, and now I've started to talk to a team here who recently purchased a Thunder Mustang and they wanted me to race it at Reno. So we're talking about potentially turning this into an air show as well and getting me ready to race in sport class. My husband is one of the instructors there and he's pretty convinced that I'll be rookie of the year. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) but I've been kind of doing a lot of formation flying with the sport class guys over many years and uh, I know their techniques and procedures pretty well so I just need to practice that up and and get the airplane flying and develop a program for 2021 that's even better now that I've got the time to really dedicate to a marketing venture that I didn't have prior when I was doing six day long trips all over North America. So (laughs) I'm just trying to make sure that I make really good use of this time and come out better at the end. So what may have looked to be a setback may be actually a huge step forward for you. Yeah, as long as you use that time correctly. I mean, there's a lot of times in life where we complain we don't have time to, to do what it is we want to do. So in my opinion, there's really no excuse for, okay, well, now we've got time. (laughs) So I I did that. And I I started really working on the pits and actually started learning French again as well and, and working on an online degree. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with the time, just learn a new skill. I mean, even if you don't have to have a big budget to make it happen, but even outside of aviation, there's, there's a lot going on out there. But see, this is what I want people to hear, and this is why I really wanted you on our show, because everybody's got different stories, but the process is always so similar. Success leaves traces. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, to Jody's attitude. Now, I'm sure you have up and down days. We all do. I know some days I get up and people better stay 50 feet away because, you know, it's not going to be a good day. (laughs) But then... But, but but all of us have our ups and downs. All of us have our challenges. But I just hear in your voice, you're you're constantly moving forward and doing something. I don't sense, and we've not met, but I don't sense a lot of woe is me out of you. No, I, I don't like to make excuses for myself. I mean, yeah, you're right. Everybody has their good days and bad days. And, and there's times where I do need a little more structure in my life to have a reason to get out of pajamas before noon. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really do well with idle time and, and not having a goal. So I've always got to find something to be able to do to some kind of a, a purpose to fulfill that day or a to-do list to check off. Right on. So your airplanes now for the 2021 air shows, because I am, I'm thinking positive. I think we're going to be back in the 2021 season. Uh, you're going to be flying the RV or the pits or you don't know, or uh, all the above. Well, I've got a few irons in the fire. Um, it's really going to depend on which aircraft are available, how the marketing goes and how the air shows look for 2021. I've got the RV available. I'm hoping to have the pits up and running. Last year, I did offer both at ICAS. And because the RV was a two-place airplane, so it was able to do meteor rides, it was drastically more popular than the pits was as a single-seat airplane. And I did ferry a pits from California to Oregon and then fly 
across the mountains in the RV immediately after. So I, I can assure you that the RV is a much more comfortable cross-country platform <laughs> to get to and from the shows. So that's not a huge complaint in my mind. It's a lot more fun to fly aerobatics in the pits because it's a very capable airplane. And the RV, it's a much more graceful and, and gentle aerobatic routine that you're going to be doing in RV. The idea this year is that the Thunder Mustang is going to be going for corporate sponsorship. So it depends on what we secure before December and if it's going to be a sponsored act or not, because that is really enticing to air shows. And then you can sort of pick and choose where that sponsor wants to be seen. So it's, there's a lot of variables happening right now. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how the next couple months play out. Bingo. But you're still progressing, still moving forward, not waiting. I love it. And, you know, for those of the listeners, most of my listeners are not necessarily pilots, but they're the people that show up at the air shows. A Thunder Mustang is, it looks just like a World War II Mustang, the P-51. It's just smaller. They're almost identical looking. And sometimes when one flies by, you got to look and is that a real Mustang or is that the Thunder Mustang? Really cool airplane. Yeah, and it's a lot bigger, so it's a lot more entertaining to watch. And it's got that wow factor of, you know, being a three-quarter scale Warbird replica. So it's a pretty cool airplane. And I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities that we've got with that one going forward. That's outstanding. So, yeah, corporate sponsorship, it's what I tell people each and every week. I said, you know, reach out to these air shows, reach out to the people who sponsor air shows, support all the performers because without sponsors, you wouldn't be able to afford a ticket to an air show. So air shows are really good value and entertainment, and it's because of the people who sponsor us. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that when you see an air show performer, when you see Jody, when you see any air show, make sure that you're letting those sponsors know that you appreciate what they're doing because airplanes, correct me if I'm wrong, Jody, airplanes eat cash in massive quantities. <laughs> Basically, it takes time and money, but mostly money <laughs> to get going on a lot of this stuff. Exactly. Jody. how do people find you? How do they learn more, watch your videos, all that good stuff? So I've got a YouTube channel. It's my name, Jody Ruger, all one word. And my Instagram is quota filler. Um, so I'm online there and on Facebook at Jody Ruger Air Shows. Is that quota filler, like a quota? <laughs> that is quota filler. <laughs> okay. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people ask how that came about. I, I think it's pretty funny, but basically, as I started into this industry relentlessly, like countless times, if I say I have a goal, like I want to work at XYZ airline, people will say, oh yeah, you should totally apply and they'll definitely hire you because you're a woman. And I'm one of those people that tries so hard to be one of the most qualified people at what I do and to make sure I'm performing really well every day. And I know that these people do not mean it maliciously. They're, they're trying their best to be supportive. And they see me as having an opportunity that a lot of them didn't get to have as, as males in the industry. And they don't understand that it comes across as sort of belittling all of the accomplishments that I had along the way, because it might be like the 20th time I've heard that <laughs> statement that day. So, you know, this comes from friends, mentors, everybody. It's not something that they mean in a mean way. And I try to take people the way that they, they mean to come across. Now, you know what? I absolutely love it. I think that is so cool. It shows a lot about your, your personality. That's, that's outstanding. <laughs> 
Yeah, so when my, my husband actually, when I said, okay, this would be my dream airline when I immigrate to the US, this is who I want to work for. And he goes, yeah, they'll totally hire you because you're a woman. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. Hashtag quota filler. And I started laughing. I was like, hey, that's really funny. I should see if that's taken. And he goes, it's definitely going to be taken. I looked, I'm like, it's not. <laughs> so that, that kind of became my Instagram handle. It started as a joke. And it was just kind of my sarcastic way of dealing with the way that people were talking to me in the industry all the time and um just kind of drawing light to it but in a humorous way because i know that people aren't trying to be malicious most of the time uh but it's just kind of funny to me to kind of bring light to it in in a way that's not aggressive it makes sense what i find is this is you know when you really talk to people whether no matter who they are from whatever background you'll hear an individual set of setbacks and sometimes you'll hear an individual set of hands up and there's always somebody out there that'll want to use that as an excuse why they couldn't do what you're doing, you or me or anybody. So it doesn't matter demographics either. But what I find is this, and we, we tell people all the time, it doesn't matter who you are. And you mentioned, you know, quota filler. Well, that only gets you so far. Your attitude is what makes you a part of the crew, what makes you a valued member of that team, which makes you a valuable air show performer. So it's easy for people in general to say, well, this person got ahead because of X. And what I keep trying to tell people is you don't know the half of it. All the people that get where they are that are successful do so because of what you said. You make a decision, you take responsibility for that, you put the hard work in, you progress despite those setbacks. And I think that is, that's a story for anybody who's doing what they want to do in life. And usually, ladies and gentlemen, listen to how Jody's speaking. They're usually happy people, right? We're usually happy when we're in the struggle to become what we determine we should be. I don't know. I'm just going off on my normal tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think um, it would not be funny if I wasn't posting something that was a better skill set. Like if I was just flying around in a 172 going from A to B on a sunny, windless day, it wouldn't be a funny name. <laughs> but because I'm out there and I think I'm on type number 86 in my logbook and you know, flying competitive aerobatics and air shows and heavy jets. I, I think that's part of what makes it funny. If I was doing something average and calling myself a quota filler, it, it would not nearly be the, the sort of sarcastic approach that I was going for. I love it. I mean, aviation in general, right? Pilots in general, we're all sarcastic and that's just part of the nature, right? It, it doesn't matter. We're all just, we're all just the sarcastic, funny, self-deprecating bunch a lot of time. And a lot of time we're in people's face because you got to make decisions. You're captain of your aircraft. So it takes a certain mindset to be that. We weren't hatched with this. It was ingrained into all of us as pilots to uh, be responsible. With that comes humor and with that comes sarcasm. When I was first flying, I was a brand new pilot. It's kind of similar. I was watching a pit special fly doing these touch and goes. And I'm like, wow, I want to fly a pits. You know, I was, uh, I was young and thin, 150 pound Dave Costa is a totally different uh, 250 pound Dave Costa, but <laughs> I could fit in an S1 back then. <laughs> I was watching this, this airplane. I'm going, I got to fly with that guy. I got to go and talk to that guy. So the, so, the, so the pits, it was an S2B, taxis in, and the canopy opens, and Marilyn Hubbard hops out 
and she taught me aerobatics. And I was, you know, I was a hotshot former jarhead uh, Marine at the time. She, I can remember first landing in a pit special. I would be just about in the flare and I would freeze on the controls and I would hear this voice out of the uh, cockpit, uh, do something. <laughs> plane would plane would bounce off the ground and would go <laughs> around. But I assumed the person flying that pits was a guy. Well, Marilyn was simply a great pilot. She died se several years ago, but she was inspiration in my career. And was able to humble me because the attitude of a Dave Costa in his 20s was a bit arrogant and said, now, are you ready to learn? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to that point, I mean, there's a lot of people who came out to me at my first season of Airshow Flying. They said, oh, you were the woman that flew, right? And my daughter really wants to meet you. And there was a lot of people at the autograph booth who, and this was kind of a foreign concept to me, but they were told that they couldn't fly because they were a woman and they actually believed them. And that was something I had a really hard time relating to. And I, I learned that, okay, what I'm doing does inspire people who were told they couldn't. And then they saw me out there doing my thing. But when I know that I've really flown well, because rarely did I get complimented on my flying mostly, oh, you were the, the girl that flew. But there's been a couple of guys who came up to me and said, like, wow, I've been following your story. And I, I would really like some advice. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm not just a niche. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing something right out here. Right on. I mean, because, you know, the very fact that the very fact that an air show performer makes it and goes through the hurdles and goes through the everything that's involved and it's not just the flying you got to really want to be there so um, it is an inspiration and it matters not what we look like it matters what we do and if you're out of an air show that's why i tell people come up and talk to these pilots because we're all different we all have our own stories we all resonate differently um and that's a good thing man i wouldn't have it any other way and that's what i love air, about air shows because it really is I, i'm a broken record but we need to let people understand that number one be don't listen to people that say you can't or you shouldn't just make a decision and go yeah Right on. Any place we can see you in the next few weeks, few months? Well, the one thing that uh, I do know is still on for 2021. A lot of shows this year have, have pushed back to next year. So Abbotsford is one of the places I'll be next year. And Oregon is going to do the first ever all-female air show at, uh, I believe, McMinnville Airport. So that will be something very interesting to see and there'll be some really really talented performers out there that I'll, I'll be very honored to fly with i'll be the rookie but it'll be a lot of fun right on well jody thank you know you're busy i'm grateful for you coming out and talking to our fans and and just giving your perspective i think it's great i wish you huge success you've already on your way yeah i'm i'm looking forward to seeing you at an air show yeah i'm looking forward to meeting you in person finally as well too and thanks very much for having me this was fun Right on, Jody. Thanks. Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the renegade aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. That's Tower Thunderbird 5 and 2 ship over Craig. Request straight and full stop for 5. SFO airspace for number 6. Thunderbird 5, now let's power report left base runway 3 right. Center 5, left base for 3 right. Slow into 250. Stand by for some boards. Stand by gear. Gear now. Thunderbird 5, gear right. Thunderbird 5, runway 3 right, wind 040 at 11, gust 17, clear to land, clear low approach. Thunderbird 5, clear to land, up to right. 
Thunderbird 6 on the go, request high key. Thunderbird 6, right turn out approved, report high key out of below 10,000, right turns runway 3, right, squawk normal one able. Thunderbird 6, right for the right, high key out of below 10,000. How does this microphone sound? Probably better than my last one. Self-critique on the radio show. Don't use the mic I used for the interview with Jody Ruger. So let me wrap up this show with some further comments. I interview people in aviation from all walks of life. I don't put people in the groups because we're individuals. But since we brought up women in aviation today, let me sum up some of my thoughts. Look, women have been in aviation, women have been flying since the infancy of aviation. So ladies, ladies, don't buy into the bullshit. Don't tell us that you didn't have a role model because, number one, you don't need a role model that looks like you. You need a role model that does what you want to do. And number two, you might just be simply too full of excuses or maybe too lazy to find one. And that's just not for the ladies. That's for everybody. Everybody has excuses. Look, everybody, the easy way out is quotas, but quotas hurt the very people that they're designed to help. I've seen it. Jody's seen it. Do you know what helps? Now sit down. This might be hard to swallow excellence and hard work. The bar in aviation could care less what group that you belong to. The aircraft could care less if you're up to the challenge or not. I was at a party once, or maybe a bar. I don't remember. That was somewhere. And a woman came up to me and saw that I was a pilot. No, oh, by the way, do you want to know how you can find a pilot at your local bar or at your local party? Don't worry, we'll tell you. <laughs> that's, my, that's my feeble attempt at humor. Anyway, she came up to me with a bit of a chip on her shoulder, or maybe it was the alcohol talking, I don't know, but she said, you know, I always wanted to be an airline pilot, but I couldn't because I'm a woman. Right about here, my wife rolled her eyes and kind of walked away. As I smiled and I looked at her, and this is why I carry my hurt feelings reports, by the way, and I said to you, well, what are you doing now? I'm a hairdresser. Oh, that's great, I said. Did you ever take any flying lessons? Did you ever go find out what it took to become a pilot? Did you ever take a ride in an airplane? Did you ever go to an air show? Pummeling with questions. To each one, no. No, and no. Well then, I said to her, is aviation your passion? No answer. I asked her, what is your passion? No answer. So here's what I told her. Well, it looks to me like you still have not made the right choices in your life. Keep going. You'll find it. Find your passion and then take the steps to make it happen. Jody is a woman who was a pilot but I don't want to speak for her, but she probably doesn't want to be referred to as simply a woman pilot. Think about that for a second. People of excellence, people want to be recognized for doing what they do well, not for the group that they belong to. That diminishes the hard work. That diminishes, that diminishes the excellence that they've achieved. When you go to air shows, when you listen to the Renegade Aviator radio show, 
you will see individuals with all kinds of stories, different stories, and similar stories. You will see that success and excellence leave traces. Don't look to people and see differences. Look for evidence of what works and simply duplicate that in your life on your terms. You can do this. You can do whatever you set your mind to. But in the end, nobody cares who you are and what you look like. They care about your results. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is 100% in our control. I, for one, know that you have it in you. I, for one, am so confident that I won't accept your BS. So make a decision and go do it. And with that in mind, go to worldrecordjet.com and you, yes, you can participate in the team that is going after world records in our TS-11 Iskras. What is the TS-11 Iskra? It is a military advanced trainer designed and built by the great country of Poland. It has a 50-year military service history in the Polish and Indian Air Forces. You and me, you and I, working together, are going to make this happen without excuses. WorldRecordJet.com. Stop it. Stop it. I don't want to hear your excuses. Jody Ruger of Jody Ruger Air Shows would not be pleased with your excuses. Take this one simple step. Go to worldrecordjet.com and click the button that says join us. How hard is that? Give me your email. That's the first easy step. Hey, you want to sponsor us? You want to be part of the people that help fund what we're doing? Scroll all the way down to the bottom of the first page at worldrecordjet.com and there's a link to our GoFundMe page. Bingo. Bingo. That's it. Until next week, this is David Costa in the air with my TS-11 Iskra jet and on the air with you each and every week. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. Terminate. 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 Terminate.